0: I want to draw our attention to the book of Isaiah. Book of Isaiah, chapter 35. Interesting chapter, just 10 verses long. And I'm going to invite you to stand as we read the scriptures together. Isaiah, chapter 35, beginning in verse 1 The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with weeds and rushes. And an highway shall be there in a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs And everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Praise the Lord. I'm thinking of that everlasting joy that he talks about in the last verse here. That everlasting joy upon their heads. And I would call it unending joy to keep with the theme that I have tried to have for some weeks and perhaps concluding today, unending joy. Father, would you quicken us this morning? As you know, we need the quickening and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Your word is precious to us. We want your word to come alive. We want your word to speak into our hearts and into our minds today Lord, that we would not be the same because of the faithful ministry of the Holy Spirit and the application of the Word to our lives. And Lord, for all you do, we'll be grateful and give you the glory and the praise. For you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I believe that God's word to all that trust in him is that unending joy is coming. Everlasting joy is coming. The eternity of heaven, the uh, eternal ages that await us are going to be an unending joy. We know something of joy in this life. There are many things we can experience that bring joy, but it seems it isn't long in the course of life until there's something that is trying to steal away our joy. There's something that brings the tears. There's something that brings the sorrows. There's something that brings the heartache. But there's coming a day of unending joy. Thank God we can have something so settled in our heart that despite the hardships of this life and the things that would try to rob us of our joy, despite all of that, we can keep the joy of the Lord abiding in our heart. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our encouragement. It's our enrichment. It's our pick-me-up. It's what we need in the moment of the, the stresses and the cares of life to experience God's presence and the joy that it brings. This unending joy, I believe, is coming to those who are described in verse 10 and again over in chapter 51 and verse 11 is a very similar verse to this, that it's the redeemed who experience it. This everlasting joy "...for the ransom, the everlasting joy for the redeemed of the Lord, those who shall return to Zion." Now Isaiah was ministering to people in his day who professed to have a relationship with God, but they were about to face God's impending judgment. There was discipline that was coming, there was banishment that was coming, there was exile that was coming... And Isaiah was foretelling this and he was preparing the people for it. In the previous chapter, chapter 34, it deals with God's universal judgment for sin. It's a sobering reminder of God's holiness and of how we must face that. And then chapter 35 provides the people of God with a wonderful hope. There, there may be those hardships that you're going to face, but in the midst of that, let's keep looking up. Let's keep looking forward because we have hope. We have hope through God, and it's, it's filled with unending joy. It's found in a right relationship with God. Now, God's people are called to be like Him in holiness and in righteousness. He calls us to be followers after Him, to follow Him in the path of righteousness and holiness. We believe that that process begins when one is born again, when one is converted. There's that initial infilling of the Holy Spirit in one's heart and life. And we begin that journey with the indwelling presence of the Lord in our life. But it just gets richer. It gets better as we walk with God and as we walk in the light that He gives us. He continues to lead us in paths of righteousness, in paths of holiness. And thank God there's an experience of entire sanctification whereby the Holy Spirit can sanctify us and purify our hearts by faith. It's a wonderful experience. It's a wonderful journey. But that beginning, that beginning of that walk with Christ and the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit is just that. It's only the beginning. God purposes to eradicate the sin in our lives, in each of our lives, to ultimately restore us to paradise. It culminates when we see God face to face when at last at the end of life's journey and we've made it safely to the other side to see him face to face and to be able to worship him through the endless ages of eternity what a day what a day that will be we'll live with him for all eternity in the light of his beauty in the light of his glory in the light of his grace C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, "Imagine yourself living in a house, in a, as as in a as a living house. You're a living house. God comes in to rebuild this house. At first, perhaps you understand what He's doing. He gets." The drains right and he stops the leak in the roof and so on. And you know that the jobs he is doing are jobs that needed to be done. He's come in to make your life new, to make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And there's matters that he cares for right from the outset. But he said presently he starts knocking the house in a way that that hurts rather deeply. It doesn't seem to make sense and you begin to wonder what on earth is he up to? And C.S. Lewis says the explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's now extending a new wing here. He's putting on an extra floor there. Maybe he's adding, running up some towers or, or adding a courtyard, making a courtyard somewhere in your life. And you thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is making you into a palace that he will dwell in, into a mansion that he dwells in. He's preparing us for eternity, unending joy and glory in heaven. He intends to come and live himself within us, to dwell in us, and to do that cleansing and purifying work that each one needs as a follower of Christ. Isaiah then, he paints a marvelous picture of God's promises to his people, those who place their trust in him. Isaiah goes on to paint this beautiful picture. First of all, I would say that he paints a picture of the promises that are given to the ransom, the redeemed, of a new world. It's a new beginning when we find Christ, isn't it? It's a new world. Old things pass away and... All things become new. And in the first two verses of this chapter, I think we're seeing the promise of God of a new world. The imagery of these verses is the exodus. God's people set out from Egypt and journeyed to the promised land. Along the way, God ministered to them in wonderful ways providing for their needs, their every need. Just remarkable stories. The account is always intriguing to go back and read of how God kept them and how He provided for them down through the years of that journey. And all of this was a promise to the people of God of the new world that God would give to His people. In the new world, nothing will hinder the full display of the glory of God. And so Isaiah said in, in verse two, they shall see the glory of the Lord. They'll, they'll see the excellency or the majesty of our God. God's glory is His inherent worth. They'll begin to catch a glimpse, to get an idea of just how valuable and how much God is worth and we can't begin to calculate that. He's so far above and beyond us. It's just amazing to begin to examine Him and think about Him and think of the glory of God, the inherent worth of God. But then he goes on to talk about Uh, Beyond that, His majesty, His, His excellency, that's His splendor in His person, the splendor of His works, the magnitude of it all. We begin to see that God promises to the ransom a new world. Where they will see His glory and His majesty in amazing ways, in astonishing ways. We catch a glimpse of it here. We have an experience of it here. But what about the glories when we reach that place called heaven? When we reach that eternal land, the unending joy of that place? God's promises to us. The people in the wilderness in that first exodus saw God's glory. And thank God we can see it too. It is a wonderful promise to us. The second thing I would point out is that God promises the ransom a new life. When God's people left Egypt, they did not see it blossoming. They saw only barrenness. They saw only the desert. They saw that that didn't seemingly have much life and offer much hope and much future to them. However, the blossoming came as they walked the path that God would have them to walk. God brought the rest into their life, marvelous things into their life. And we begin this journey and it's a new world for us. It's a new beginning. It's a glorious thing. God gives us a new life in Christ and it just gets better as it develops, as we faithfully walk the path that He has for us, as we faithfully follow Him. It's a wonderful journey. And Isaiah was encouraging the people to look to God, look to the one who promises the ransom a new life. He alerts them to what they should expect as they journey to the new world, to that glorious experience of eternity in heaven. The ransom are under oppression. Isaiah talks about that here in verses 3 and 4, the oppression, the ransom of the Lord live in a world that is opposed to God. We live in a world that's opposed to uh, to the things of God. And Isaiah says, "Here strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have a fearful heart or an anxious heart, to be strong, to fear not. To behold your God." Amen. To behold Him, to look to Him. For God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. We may be in oppression. We may be in a time of of deep distress at moments of of the rejection of God and of the resistance to spiritual things that we can sense all around us. But behold your God. (laughs) He's pointing them to the one that, that really matters, to the one who will see them through the oppression in life. Isaiah encouraged the ransomed of the Lord to strengthen the weak hands, to commit to personal action, as it were. He wanted them to commit to personal action, strengthen the weak hands. And the feeble knees. He encouraged the ransom of the Lord to persevere during throughout the duration of the pilgrimage. It is your duty, though there's oppression, and though there are challenges in this life, behold your God and commit yourself by the work of your hands and by the strength that God gives to your knees to be faithful and to be enduring in all of this journey There's coming a day, a day of eternal joy. Praise be to God. We notice here that the ground of encouragement to each other is your God. Behold your God. And it's as we point each other to God that we find encouragement, isn't it? Under the oppression and the afflictions and the dark days that we face, the difficult hours that we have, the discouragement that people have. When we come to God and we utterly rely on Him, we behold our God, we find that He is the one who is faithful to see us through whatever we're experiencing in life. Praise His worthy name. It's a picture here that we gain that is most profitable to us. They're reminded of God's promise to Jacob In Genesis chapter 46, he says, I myself will go down with you to Egypt. But he said, I will bring you up again. (laughs) I'll be with you, though you have to pass through whatever it is in life that you're passing through. But I'll bring you up again. It's a promise of God. Joseph's hand shall close your eyes and God promises the ransom a new life. The desert is being transformed as well, we find. Verses 6 and 7, in the new world that God will usher in, He'll demonstrate a transformation even in nature itself. Amen. He talks here how the waters will break forth in the wilderness. He talks about the streams in the desert that will enjoy he talks about the burning sand that will become a pool, the thirsty ground springs of water. He talks about the dragons. An interpretation of that is that it's it's the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The the uh, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. It's it's to change. It's a picture of nature itself that's transformed by the Lord. At the time He ushers in the new world, the ransom are renewed for their journey in the midst of it all. Verses 5 and 6, I believe, pointed out God's work of salvation. It gives new life to His people. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The deaf ears shall be unstopped. They'll be able to hear again. The lame man leap like a hart or as a deer. The tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. Hallelujah. The weakness that is seen in verses 3 and 4 will be transformed into new abilities. God's not limited by those things that, that have limited people down through the years. But God is going to overcome all of that. One commentator said that the contrast between two faculties of reception, the eyes and the ears that he talks about, being open, being able to see, the contrast between that and the two of action, the leaping and the singing for joy that is brought here is is meant to express a totality of it. God is going to cover the whole gamut of things. There's nothing that he's going to miss. The transformation of the world, the transformation of your life. There's wonderful transformation that affects every faculty of the person so that the person is renewed for their journey to the new world. There's that which is in place in the here and now that we experience now. But the ultimate, the culmination of it all is ultimately referred to as well. A new world, a new life. God promises thirdly a new highway, a new highway. And a highway shall be there and away. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. And on there verses 8, 9, and 10. This highway, it's hard to fully fathom all that he may be talking about. Someone described it as a raised causeway. It's a highway. It's an elevated way. It's a way that only the holy can know. Only those who are walking in the light and in the righteousness of God can know. It's it's an elevated experience from what we would know in this life. A highway shall be there. In the midst of the wilderness, there shall be a highway. This image speaks of the narrow road upon which the children of God will travel. The the way in which we go to heaven. The new highway is only for the holy. It shall be called the way of holiness, he says there in verse 8. The unclean shall not pass over it. The highway is a narrow way. I didn't make it that way. No one else made it that way. God has made it that way. It's a narrow way, it's a narrow path that He calls us to walk and makes available to us the power and the wherewithal to be able to live that life, amen, in this earthly journey. Praise be to God. And so it's a narrow road upon which we have been enabled to be able to follow, to follow and be made holy by God and for God on this journey. It's a road designed for the children of God, and he says that, that no sin, no unbeliever, here described as the unclean, shall travel thereon. The Lord never reduces His standards to match the weakness of His people, but He raises His people to match His standard. Amen. A highway shall be there. It's a way that He lifts us up to and enables us and empowers us to travel on. Hallelujah. He redeems us from sin and lifts us up out of the miry clay and sets us on a higher path. Amen. Praise this wonderful way, his wonderful name. Isaiah did not say how, how God raises his people to the heights of his standards. He just said He does it, and He will do it for whosoever will. We know that God does so by cleansing and purifying us by His Spirit with His sanctifying power. Oh, the marvels of God's work. It's a highway. It's for the holy. It's also unmistakably clear, this this highway. It's unmistakably clear. He talks about it in verse 8. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, the, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. Even if they're fools, they'll, they'll not go astray. Now, usually the word fool in the scripture refers to one who is morally deficient. However, in this context, it carries the idea that the way of holiness is so clear God can make it so clear that traveling on it is not dependent upon human ability. It's not dependent on us to carve out that path for ourselves. He lifts us to that higher level. He does the work in our heart. He quickens us. He makes us alive in Him and empowers us to be able to live that life that is holy and pure and pleasing in His sight. Hallelujah. He makes it absolutely clear for everyone, even the person who is not bright, yet they know the grace of God in their life and He raises them to that level of living for His glory. Hallelujah. They'll not go astray. It's a highway that's free of danger. He says in verse 9, he talks about how no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall, shall come upon it. They, they shall not be there. But he said the redeemed shall walk there. The redeemed shall walk there. And so it's a highway that's, that's free of danger. God empowers us to live a holy life despite the dangers that are all around us. Despite all the naysayers, despite the onslaught of the enemy of your soul, if you want to make it, you can make it because God has made it available. He does the work in our heart and we live for His glory and praise. Hallelujah. You can make it against all the odds. The truly redeemed have a spiritual hunger to walk in this highway. And may we keep on it. May we keep on it until we reach the holy city as God gives us His protection. The new highway is also filled with joy. I just... I don't know what I'm hearing. Maybe it's in my hearing aids. I've got Siri talking to me. I I left my phone back there... She's saying to repeat that again. (laughs) Technology. I can hear it and you can't. Isn't that something? Where was I? I'm afraid to say her name because she'll add something else. Repeat it. It's a highway of joy. Amen. It's a highway of unending joy. He says in verse 10, The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Hallelujah. Amazing, astonishing, unending gladness and joy shall fill our hearts. You talk about an eternity of reward. We'll be so glad we sold out to go with God We'll be so glad we let Him change our world and change our life and change the path on which we walk. And we took the holy way. It's going to be an eternity of abundant reward. Oh, hallelujah. It awaits those who complete their journey to Zion. Isaiah warned the people of God to have a great hope. He, he wanted them to have a great hope. He wanted the people of God to experience that that indescribable joy at the end of their earthly journey to the new Zion that awaits us. Praise be to God. Ever since he was a kid, Bob Goff had dreamed to sail from the Pacific Ocean to Hawaii. That was his dream. And so, finally, Bob and four friends of his entered the competition. With limited sailing skills, Bob and his friends loaded their 35-foot sailboat with canned chili and bottled water. How would you like that meal? Canned chili and bottled water. They set sail for Hawaii. But Bob and his friends... said that the most moving part of the journey was their arrival at the finish line. And here's what he writes to describe it. He said there's a tradition in the Transpac race, no matter when you finish, even if it's at 2 o'clock in the morning, when you pull into the marina, there's a guy who announces the name of your boat and every crew member who's on that boat, he announces it. He said, uh, just when we came to the end of our supplies, when the chili and water ran out, we sailed across the finish line just off Diamond Head and into the marina. He said it was a few hours before dawn. It had been 16 days since they left LA and made their way to Hawaii. And he said, uh, suddenly the silence was broken by a booming voice that came over a loudspeaker announcing the name of our tiny boat. Then he started announcing the names of our ragtag crew like he was introducing heads of state. One by one, he announced all of our names and he said it all became a really emotional moment for each of us. He said when he came to my name, he didn't talk about how few navigational skills that I had. He didn't talk about the zigzag path I took us on to get there. He didn't tell everyone about my mess-ups. He said, instead, he welcomed me in from the adventure like a proud father of his boy succeeding in life. He said, when he was done, there was a pause And then his last words to the entire crew were simply this. Friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. Welcome home. He said because of the way he said it, we all fought back tears. He said, I wiped my eyes as I reflected in that moment about all the uncertainty that had come with the journey All of the sloppy sailing and how little I knew, but he said, none of that mattered now because I completed the race. I don't know what your path has looked like, how skillful you might be or unskillful you might be in trying to navigate this path. The mess ups you've had, the failures, the endurance of the journey. But friend, if we'll keep going, if we'll keep going, keep on the path. Keep on the straight and narrow way. It leads to an eternity in Zion. It leads to an eternity in heaven of unending joy. To hear him say, as each of us arrive as children of God, When we arrive in that holy city, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but I kind of picture my eyes are burning so bad from my tears. (laughs) That's good. That's all right. I don't know what it's going to be like exactly, but you know what? (laughs) If he says, Welcome home, Deborah, (laughs) if he says, Welcome home, Greg. To each of us individually, whenever it is that our time comes to make the crossing, to cross the finish line, make it safely into the eternal marina, our friend, to hear him say well done is going to be a glorious thing. We'll be so glad. We'll be so glad we stuck by the stuff. Amen. Amen. Did he make it a new world for you or did he? He made it a new world, didn't He? He made it a new life. (laughs) When we began with Christ, old things passed away and all things became new. Oh, what a journey. And sometimes it becomes cumbersome and sometimes we become discouraged and sometimes we we feel the oppression and and the opposition. Maybe a few times you've had the, the towel ready to just toss it in. But aren't you glad you didn't? Hallelujah. Oh, so glad. Stay on the journey. Stay on board the ship. It'll get you safely there. Don't abandon. Don't give up. On the brink of a miracle, God's got unending joy awaiting the child of God. We don't know what it was like in Isaiah's day to face the darkness and the struggles that they faced and then the exile But Isaiah was promising a deliverance. And that promise is extended to you and me today. Hallelujah. Let's make it through to the city, shall we? Let's make it through to hear him say, Welcome home, friend. You've made it. You've made it. Hallelujah. I think we can sing a song in closing this morning. Number 519 in our hymnals. I'm, I'm reminded of the sober thing that if you're not a Christian, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, while there's an eternity of unending joy in heaven for those who, who have, for the ransom, for the redeemed, There's an eternity in hell and suffering for those who aren't prepared to meet God. That's sobering. But that's the Word. That's the Scripture. You don't want to miss heaven. You don't want to miss heaven. You don't want to have to go to hell because of your sins and your lack of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and walking in the King's highway in the light that He gives you. You don't want to go down that path of failing to make it to heaven. We must purpose to make it to heaven. It's more than a mind thing. It's something that we surrender. We surrender our heart and life to Jesus Christ. And He brings us into a new world and a new life through Jesus Christ. 519 in our hymnals, let's stand as we sing. If there's a hungry heart, somebody who wishes to seek God at this altar, we welcome you to do do so. There are saints, people who know God will joyfully pray with you and help you this morning. Otherwise, let's rejoice in walking in the King's Highway. I want to sing verse 2 and then verse 5 of 519. We shall see the glory of the Lord
1: Walking
0: in the King's highway And behold the beauty of His word Walking in the King's highway There's a highway there and a way Where sorrow shall flee Away, and the light shines bright as the day. Walking in the King's highway. Verse five. No unclean thing shall pass for Walking in the King's high. Highway, there and away, the where sorrow shall flee away, and the light shines bright I as day. Walking in the King's highway, Father, we praise you this morning for the anticipation that we have. It's not a fallacy. It's not just something we dream of. But praise be to God, it shall be a reality. It is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. The experience of grace that we can have in Jesus Christ is real. The victory you can give us is real. Uh, Hallelujah. Lord, we claim victory this morning for every soul. We desire, O oh God, for each and every one to surrender their life to you and be determined to walk in the beauty of holiness, and to serve Jesus until we hear you welcome us into the heavenly marina where you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy Of thy Lord. Welcome home, dear child of God. You've made it safely to heaven's bright shore and to the unending joy of that eternal land. Bless this truth to our hearts. Give victory around this altar, we pray, and we'll give you thanks and give you praise in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. If you would gather in for prayer, you're welcome to do so. If you must go, Go quietly. Let's have a time of reverence as we pray together here.